Hello, everybody. Jerry Lee here. So happy to be here, and thank you, Janet Lee. Now, that is what I call swinging and what Janet calls swinging because we're a little bit on the old-fashioned side. But uh, some of you other people, when you heard the things about songs that swing, you might have been thinking something different. But anyway, we had a good time, and thank you, Janet. That was great. And hello, everybody out there. Uh, you know, fasten your seat belts. We're going to get into some interesting things here today. I don't know that I can finish this teaching for all that I have on the agenda, but you know what? We'll try. And if we can't, we'll just have to push it into next week. We just don't, uh, we don't have to be in a narrow little a uh, trap of some sort that allows us uh, to not be able to move. Uh, we have freedom. Okay, so today, part three, it's also still about the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, th that is such an important revelation that, uh, you know, it, it definitely deserves for our attention. It deserves for us to, uh, you know, take the time to talk about it. To go over it, uh, it's, it's a big thing, a real big thing. So, blessed be the name of God. I want to read um, a few things from uh, to start with from, uh, you know, Star Rise, which is uh, a, a book that uh, is part of the one of the chapters of, of the uh, Holy Manifest. Uh, but this part here is particularly about this idea of the divine birth and, and a little bit of the story of the, of the angels. Some of these things, you know, uh, you have heard, uh, you've been taught in the blogs and in messages, but uh, I keep having some of the same people coming back asking me uh, some of these same questions that we've been over. So I think it's just because that I have needed, you know, to repeat some of these things and help people get it in their minds. <clears throat> Okay, so here we go. Yaviel, knowing what must be done, entered a rushing of transformation. Without hesitation, Yaviel reached within Yah's mentality to an ancient self by the name of Yavi. Now, I, I think that, without a question, that it is totally possible for people who are able to enter into a concentration of spiritual cognizance uh, to do the very same thing that it's shown here, and that is to go back into an ancient mind of yourself that you lived in another time, an ancient time. And there is so much in the Bible about this. Uh, people are just not aware of how much there is information-wise about, uh, you know, the ancient people coming back and and all kinds of things along that line even yeah even in the new testament so it makes it very very interesting yeah so let's uh let's uh, go on with this uh he reached within yah's mentality to an ancient self by the name yavi thus it was yaviel taking on yah's ancient universal order of yavi yah's lesser presence descended to or a soul, a terrestrial that would be called Adam. Understand, after the Ophanim, uh, after after the Ophanim were cast into their own creation. Now, in case you don't understand what that means, is that originally the Ophanims came to this earth, 
for the purpose of creating lives that would eventually be uh, able to progress to a state of having uh, a consciousness uh, that was aware of God, a, a, a consciousness aware of God. And so this was, you know, a, a plan uh, that uh, through many ages of time that, that they had configured together. And um, But instead what it's saying is that the very creation that they had planned uh, for other creatures, they, because of the um, trickery uh, prog- problem with uh, uh, Lucifer, Satan, they fell into their own creations. And so that's what that means, just in case you would not have understood it. Okay, so um, let's uh, go on with this. Um, uh, just in case some of you can't understand how that Yavi could have been Adam, just go to the book of Luke and read the genealogy and just take it all the way back to Adam. And when you get to Adam, it says, and Adam, who was the, the, T-H-E, who was the son of God. So, uh, you know, you, you have to put the whole Bible together. You, uh, that's the whole thing of the Holy Spirit contextuality is taking the whole word from every scripture, from every chapter, from every book, and, and, and putting it together into to the, the song of truth. That's the beauty of it. And when you put that together, the rhythm will be right. The tune will be right. The, the whole beauty of it will have what is called glories. So it's great. All right, let's just keep it going here. Understand, after the Ophanims were cast into their own creations, they wandered expressionlessly, expression, expression and lessly. <laughs> oh, yeah, they didn't have an expression to speak of. And um, uh, they, um, <clears throat> they went about the earth, and some of them were whaling and, and uh, searching for Yaviel, in their expressionlessly uh, con- uh, bad condition because of their previous higher order of intelligence, and they loathed the consideration of being imprisoned about the matter kingdom and its tapestries of ongoing latolution. Even more so, they dreaded the thoughts of clamoring amidst the multitudes of aura soulless humans. Nevertheless, it was necessary for all of the fallen, all of the fallen who would be saved to take the path of matter. For so it was planned that through the physical Adam, first man with an aura soul, the sins, and I should say first man with an aura soul born on earth, uh, the sins of the Ophanim uh, celestials might be brought into the earthly world in order to manifest her sins of folly for the severity it was. However, in the course of time, Adam's mate, Eve, who was also called Adam, and uh, if you have any question about that, you can verify that by going to the fifth chapter of Genesis, where you will be able to see that uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 2, that they called their name Adam in the day when they were created. 
Okay, let's go on now. <clears throat> okay, um, we'll start here. Nevertheless, it was necessary for all the fallen, fallen who would be saved to take the path of matter. For so it was planned that uh, through the physical Adam, first man with an orosol, the sins of the Ophanim, celestials, might be brought into the earthly world in order to manifest their sin of folly for the severity it was. However, in the course of time, Adam's mate, who was also called Adam, became deceived through her curiosities. Therefore, laying down, laying down, um, uh, World rule, rule, Adam took upon himself, now listen to this carefully, laying down world rule, or, or the role for salvation, the world role, uh, R-O-L-E, for salvation, Adam took on himself Eve's transgression that he might save her. Now, that's very, very important. Some would say, well, you're just getting involved just over a, a woman, his wife. Uh, you know, it wasn't quite that simple. It's way, way more involved than anything like that, not even close to that. First off, the name Eve that had been given to her, no doubt by the Holy Spirit, that name means mother of all living. If you, if her sins had been allowed to cut her off and put her out, separate her from Adam, then that whole prophecy would have failed. Her becoming the mother of all living, that prophecy would have failed. Now, besides that, Eve it turns out, uh, also happens to be um, <clears throat> the re-ingeneration, the re-ingeneration, I get hold of this, of a very famous person in the Troniverse called Tanuel. And Tanuel was the famous reproduction in that area of another extremely famous person, called Dominius. And there is incredible stories about these two. And then ultimately, uh, Tanuel Dominius takes on the body, presents the body that is, is, is going to be called Mary, mother of Jesus. So the overwhelming situation that if anything had failed here with Eve to where her transgressions separated her from the garden of, of everlasting life, but did not separate Adam, then the whole prophecy would have failed, and uh, it would have brought about total disaster. Adam recognizing that, and of course very much loving her, but also recognizing the obligation to the Father which art in heaven, took on her sins. So when he partook, he didn't partook to be disobedient. And the Bible says in the book of Timothy that, that Adam did not transgress, but that Eve was deceived, and she was the one that transgressed. She made the transgression. So, so it's, it's, it's Bible, <clears throat> and it does make a differentiation. Now, um, there is no place in the Bible although I know there's be dozens of people that think that there is, but there is no place in the Bible 
that uh, says that that uh, Adam sinned and the way that people are trying to put put you know uh, all of that on him, um, and 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 especially when they don't understand that the name of uh, of Eve was also Adam, but also especially understanding that uh, <clears throat> when they talked about our father sinned in that particular scripture, they were talking about Jacob. They were not talking. That was not talking about um, about Adam. <clears throat> And I've had people quote that scripture. But there's really no place that you can find, even in the Old Testament or the New Testament, uh, uh, especially in the Old Testament, where it, it puts the blame as most people expect that it does. And um, uh, it's very, very interesting, uh, you know, because uh, people misunderstand, like in Romans, when it talks about uh, Adam bringing, uh, you know, uh, death into the world. What an incredible performance that that was. Uh, that was just absolutely incredible. I think it didn't call it death in that scripture, but it, you know, it's entwined with that. But he, he, he brought, you know, uh, he brought sin into the world. So we know from that that the sin was not something that happened in the garden that came from within the world itself, happened on the earth. But it, it is something that was brought into. So it was an event that happened from outside of the of the planet Earth. And uh, we know that that was talking about <clears throat> the war with Lucifer and the whole configuration of which Lucifer Satan was involved and uh, and how the, the fall took place and, and, and the things that brought about the reason for the fall. And so when he brought that information into the world so that it would it would be able to be manifested to all of the human race that we, that were to follow that was a major absolutely super absolutely incredible beautiful thing and that's just like one of those jewels of this of this teaching of jewels and mysteries about the birth of Jesus Christ because it all connects it goes all of the way back and because of the connections of deferred progenity or deferred progeny, whichever word you like to use to describe it, progeny is a, uh, a dictionary word. Uh, deferred progenity is a manifest word. Uh, but they both get the job done. <clears throat> so uh, those are, are very, uh, uh, you know, utterly interesting uh, things. And uh, we, we don't want to skip any of them. We want to get these out. We want to get you to understand them. We want to get you so that you know them, you can quote them, you can speak them. And there are some of you uh, uh, people out there that are absolutely reaching that point. And I am so proud of you. And uh, it is what we want. I know there might be some ministries out there that they don't want anybody else to be able to do the job but themselves. And I'll tell you, God know, knows and ver would verify instantly to you that that is not me. I, I am a believer in body ministry, and I know that if I do not teach these things to a whole, whole host of other people so that this word can continue, then my ministry will fail. And so I want to be part of, um, of being able to get, you know, this word out. It is absolutely, uh, absolutely, totally important. Okay. Um, so it was the Spirit of the Almighty rose again upon Yaviel, who first came to earth as Adam and later as Melchizedek, 
So thus it was, Yaviel was anointed as Jesus Christ after the order of Yaviel's uh, higher earthly presence called Melchizedek. And that's the whole connection in Hebrews of Jesus Christ after the order of Melchizedek uh, and all uh, of the intricate connections in the network of that whole revelation. Okay, so let, let's go on. Um, okay, therefore Jesus the Christ as, an, uh, as anointed salvation arose as a shining star to give light unto the fallen that the bond of the darkness of the times could be broken. This was so far, this was so, for Yavio was the only begotten of the Ophanim who had not sinned and whose thought ranges as an archangel spanned truth as the skies spanned the heavens. Now, uh, you know, it talks about Jesus Christ's anointed salvation rose as a shining star. The Bible talks about, uh, you know, there is a, a star that that uh, rose out of Jacob. Uh, so, you know, the whole thing's coordinated uh, to, to Bible scripture. But I want to say one thing here that we will run into as we're talking about this, and in case I might slip up to make the connection. Uh, sometimes when I will be referring to what the Bible actually teaches about uh, the the various states that uh, Jesus uh, uh, went through in his ordeal to overcome, that some people have the idea that Jesus was born perfect, that he was perfect every second, every moment, that he really had nothing to overcome. Uh, that would be 100% against what the Bible teaches. 100%. If you believe that, uh, you need to get into rightly dividing the word, and you, you, you need to e examine yourself uh, so that you can see, uh, you know, how much not in the faith of the Bible that you really are. And I think that that is very serious, because uh, if you don't understand, uh, like in the Hebrew teachings, how that Jesus had to overcome all these things with many tears and strong prayers, uh, you are missing the boat. And the other thing is, is when the Bible says, says about Jesus that he became he became the author of eternal salvation whenever you see something like that you have a dual presentation number one you have the presentation that it, there was a point at which he was not he was not that person and then you have a point at which he was that person and and uh, when you especially look at it in the context of the scripture, uh, how that by overcoming, this is what enabled him to become the author of eternal salvation. And uh, because uh, otherwise, um, you know, his whole uh, life would have been a little bit robotic. Uh, he would not been able to to fail. He would not been able to make a wrong decision. Uh, you know, he, he, he you know, a, a Satan would not have bothered tempting him. If he was, if if he knew that Jesus was so locked in, that he could not possibly fail in any way, it was just pure robotic. Then he wouldn't have wasted his time taking him up to the Mount of Transfiguration and, and tempting him. But he knew that there was a possibility, and Jesus understood that too. And Jesus was totally successful. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, now let's go on. I hope these things are helping you, because we want to get this picture painted in its full, beautiful form. Blessed be the name of God. The Almighty Elo, uh, Eloah I Am. Now, you've got Elohim, 
which is a plural word, and you've got Eloa, which is a singular word. Usually when we have the singular word Eloa, it is definitely talking about, uh, you know, God. And, and, uh, and uh, but, uh, uh, sometimes, according to the text, when it uses the word Elohim, it can be talking about gods, G-O-D-S, plural. And, the, and Jesus said, you are gods. And so we see that the word is a reality word uh, for the teachings of the Bible. Okay, let's keep it going. Um, the mighty Elohim, I am, are El, 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 um, Eloa, are Eloa, I am, knowing that Yahweh's heart was set to be the ultimate key for the Ophanim's deliverance, loved Yahweh, and sanctioning Yah said, Your will be on earth as your will is in heaven. And so Yahweh's love was chosen, for it was knit with uh, Eloah's, uh, Eloah I am's love. Therefore a plan to set, um, therefore a, a plan was set throughout the stardoms of the heavens. Yahweh would take on the form of Jesus and become salvation uh, as an antidote uh, for the sickness of the fallen star angels. As Jesus modeled Christ, Jesus became Christ. In the course of time after Yahweh had prepared for the earthly environment for, uh, for many lower accelerations uh, experiences, the angel, uh, angels counseled him to uh, birth Yahweh among the creations of the Messiah Savior. Uh, Jesus the Christ then sa- then uh, said uh, th- then said Gabriel, Archangel of the legions of the cherubim, go and find among the human teraphim a virgin of pure spirit, who may become the mother to the Messiah. Search each and every circuit and every lattice. Now the word teraphim we haven't talked about that very much. I of course in the past uh, time have preached on considerably but the teraphims uh, were uh, like little small statues especially like of of the fathers of or or persons that had great uh, tribute uh, of character and um, uh, sometimes on the end of a rod there would be the carved uh, head and face uh, of, of of like a, a great father uh, who had uh, started like say like maybe Jacob or Abraham and and um, or sometimes uh, they would just put it on a little uh, statuette that had a flat base that they could set on a table or on a shelf and those were called teraphim and um, and and they were very uh, powerful and and there was a lot of spirit there and um, uh, way back way way back. In a, in an early beginning, uh, you know, they used to call themselves teraphim, but later uh, corruption came in, and people began to worship those teraphim uh, statues and and make them idols, and so because of that, that whole revelation of the teraphim was lost, and and that is sad, but that's something that happened. It's it's very similar to when uh, Moses had made the pole. 
uh, with the, with the with the two uh, uh, with the snake and the and the and the seraphim on it. He had made that pole and all of that, and it was a very divine thing. And people were healed and and saved from dying uh, because of it. But later, uh, as the ages and generations of time went on, uh, you know, some of the wrong kind of people got hold of it, and they started making it a great uh, uh, item uh, for, uh, like an icon, for people to worship. And, uh, and so people began to worship, and, and then eventually God said, destroy it. So there are instances in history in which things that, that had a divine uh, uh, beauty to them uh, because they were misused, mis- misappropriated, uh, they had to then uh, be taken out of the plan of God and and uh, most often destroyed. So um, those are all interesting things and and you know good things to to, to know. Okay, now we're told to go among the human teraphim um, and find a virgin of pure spirit who may become the mother of the Messiah. Search each each one's every lattice and, and uh, circuit. Uh, go and find a lattice of aligned zones. Seek a lady whose heart, heart's destinies are free from biological bondage. Now, this sounds like such an incredible, uh, uh, you know, m- amount of information that is being given here. Very deep, very spiritual, you know, like the deep into the deep. Uh, but we, when we go back to, if, to our teaching that we did on Adam, when Adam was sent out to uh, uh, to name the animals, uh, it's very, very obvious that he had a total understanding of alignment, of, of, of lattice of these animals. And when he named these animals, he didn't just name them and say, oh, we'll just call this thing a giraffe. Uh, we'll call this thing a lion. Uh, those names that were given, that he gave, had a very particular application of meaning uh, and and description that was being applied to those animals for a lot of very interesting, important reasons. Uh, very much of which has been lost uh, in 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 into the past. Uh, <clears throat> but this is obviously speaking to people that could understand the lattice and the aligned zones. Seek a lady whose heart desires are free from biological bondage. Such a one whose joy of aura soul is boundless, whose laughter is mariously, mariously free. Uh, she that can sing as a beautiful melody. She that can dance as the winds of the sky. Her words are whiter than snow. Her, her being is aglow with innocence. I will give her a crown of majestic order. Now, I know I've read part of this to some of you before, but I, I wanted to go over it because it's going to so tie into the virgin birth and all of that, and uh, and it will be very helpful. So I've got different things I want to read and share with you. So uh, the lady who's, who, whose head this hollow crown shall fit is the one. When you see her, you will know. Many spiritually dark seasons passed into history. The angels of God searched as instructed to find among humankind a lady in whose heart was no darkness, whose spirit was whiter than the snow. After many searchings throughout the earth, there was not such a one found. Now, I want you to remember this, because as I begin to read, uh, you know, something in Isaiah later, uh, you'll find it very important uh, this here explanation, how that 
many dark seasons passed into history and uh, uh, that you can't just uh, get up and say, well, uh, I'm going to make a prophecy that there's going to be a virgin uh, have uh, a Messiah. It's going to give birth to a Messiah and this is going to happen here right away before these two kings die. Uh, uh, you got to be very careful. You've got to be sure you're speaking the oracles of God because uh, there's many, many things that have to fit the plan and fit the purpose and and have to uh, be um, you know uh, in sync with the time and so um, uh, that's why this is important to you know to gather all this into your remembrance so that it can apply to all the beauty that it, that it really has to share with you okay um, so after many searchings throughout the earth there was not such a one found then came the cherubims these are the cherubim angels uh, and these these are the cherubims, uh, you know, uh, who w were uh, from an early uh, universe. And, uh, in fact, uh, they were from the second universe. The first universe, of course, was the Ophanim. And then the second universe was the cherubim, and the fifth universe was the seraphim. So then came the cherubim uh, to Gabriel and said, We cannot find such a lady, no, not anywhere upon the earth. Then replied Gabriel, by listening, I have heard a great consonance. I've heard a great consonance. I perceive the destiny of the lady has been pre-chosen. This is no doubt why a conjunction among the atoms is risen. What is to be loosed for earth is to be loosed in heaven. I have found a great revelation in the Soundtron writ. Tanuel, the mother of Yavi, is destined to be the mother of Jesus. Therefore, you must search each new generation and age among humankind, for her time will only be known by discerning. And that is, of course, absolutely super beautiful. Super beautiful. Okay, so now we have shared that, and we must move on. Now, <clears throat> let's get on over to um, Isaiah Chapter 7, starting, I think, with verse 11. We're into Isaiah now. Chapter 7, that's, you know, back in the earlier part. And uh, we read this the last, actually, two weeks. But, you know, I've had people say, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And I said, okay, well, we're going to keep talking about it till you do, Lord willing. So, here we go. Isaiah 7. And we are going to start with verse 11. Now he's, um, he, meaning Isaiah, is uh, talking to Ahaz. And, um, and he's saying to him, Ask a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height, the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear you now, O house of David. And now it's not Ahaz talking any longer. It is um, Isaiah. Hear you now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to, to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Now, that's a very important revelation right here. Because 
Isaiah was a wise enough prophet and seer that he realized that what he had felt as an unction to bring forth was the story of, uh, of, of, of a virgin birth. And he had you know, certain insight on this. And he also realized that he couldn't just absolutely make a definite prediction of the time uh, because it was going to have to be something that the Lord himself would do. And so he says that. Therefore, when you have a therefore, it's because there is a, a, there is a reasoning compound. There's a compound of circumstances, a compound uh, of, of, of information, uh, a compound of reasons as to why uh, it must be done a certain way. And that is the therefore the Lord himself. It's sort of like the scripture, you know, um, in the book of uh, Thessalonians that said, you know, the, the, the Lord himself, you know, shall, shall sound the, the trumpet of the archangel, shall, shall uh, you know, give this trumpet to shout as, as the voice of an archangel. So um, uh, it's very similar to that kind of a thing. And, and uh, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So the Lord was supposed to handle this whole thing that was about his mother to be, that was about the birth of a son who was himself, and then the revelation of the term Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's all to be revealed by the Lord. Not Isaiah, but the Lord. And so this is going to help us really understand the 8th chapter as we get into that in a little bit. But uh, this, this is very, very important. Then it says, Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child... That's talking about the Lord, shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good. The land that thou adhorest shall be taken of both her kings. And the Lord shall bring upon thee and upon thy people and upon the father's house days that have not come from the days of Ephraim, uh, departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall hiss for the fly that is in the utmost part of the rivers of Egypt, and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they shall come and shall rest all of them in the desolate valleys and in the holes of the rocks and upon all thorns and upon the bushes. In that same day shall the Lord shave with a razor that is hired, namely by them beyond the river, by the kings of Assyria, the head and the hair of the feet, and it shall also consume the beard. And it shall come to pass in that day that a man shall nourish a young cow and two sheep. It shall come to pass that for the abundance of milk that they shall give, he shall, shall eat butter. Uh, for butter and honey shall everyone eat that is left in the land. So we see that this prophecy that was given about Jesus and the butter and honey and last week I mentioned, I said, that sounds more like something about John the Baptist, because that is not the way that it really describes Jesus eating. 
Well, now we see the fullness of it because what it's really representing by Jesus eating this good food or the Messiah eating this good way uh, is because of this incredible change that's going to happen in the land and even the, the, the land critters, you know, uh, like flies and, and bees are going to be involved in bringing about the poli- poli- polarization, uh, the, the uh, pollinating, rather, uh, of, of the crops and, and all the things that have to happen to bring about, you know, the honey and to bring about, you know, the, the, the various flowering and the various blessings so that there's going to be this abundance of food. And, and this all then is also tied in uh, to these two bad kings being eradicated and and God having a source that he uses to bring about this eradication. And so, um, because Isaiah is a seer, because he is a prophet, he has a, two prophecies tied together. And these two prophecies that are tied together, uh, they have a problem, in, in one sense, being tied together. Because... The one part of the prophecy binds the happening of the first part of that prophecy to occur at a specific time in history. But if the cherubim during that time of history have gone forth all over the, all over the earth and cannot find the lady whose head would fit the haloed crown whose lattice was aligned, who could dance like the wind, if they can't find her, then they can't find the person who is destined to be the mother of Jesus. And so then Gabriel has to explain it. Well, he says, I have done some real checking on this. I have discovered a consonance and I have discovered in the Soundtron writ something very, very interesting. And I want to share it with you. He said this uh, Soundtron writ discloses that uh, there is, it's already a pre-chosen situation for a particular person. And uh, this particular person is going to be, we don't know when she'll be born, we have to watch out for it. But, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't in Isaiah's time. And yet Isaiah had the revelation. So that is pretty neat. So, um, it's really neat. It's really superb to be able to have this, the rest of the revelation, and uh, to really know uh, these things of truth. And I'm, I'm going to read more sharings with you about this. But, uh, but you know, like uh, this butter and honey thing couldn't happen because that was a special thing that's going to happen after the defeat of these two kings and, and after some very special signs and so forth. So, so Isaiah has made this prophecy, and he has given it, to a king, Ahaz. And he begins to recognize, my God, I've given this prophecy and I have combined it with the virgin birth, but I have understood that that has to be 
only reconciled and fulfilled by the decisions of the Lord himself. Him, the Lord himself has to do it. No prophet can do it. No seer can do it. The Lord has to do that. And all of a sudden, that began to stand out, and he'd start saying, and then I've told Ahaz uh, that there is going to be, I've told Ahaz that th- this is the sign that I'm giving him. You know, this is, this is about the belief in God. This is about the belief in my, 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 my prophethood. This is about the, the, you know, the whole thing confirming that I am a seer and that I am anointed by God. And now look what's happening because this, the Lord is not giving a witness that it can happen at this time. So he's praying about it. He's trying to decide, okay, what am I going to do? So in the eighth chapter, he begins to get a, another revelation. Chapter uh, 8, verse 1. Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll. Now, take thee a great roll. That's talking about the roll are, were these scrolls. And these scrolls were what, you know, the Bible of today was written in way back when. This is, they use this even for legal matters. And when it says a great roll, that means a big roll. That means the volume of it was, was very, very large. It was a big roll. It had a lot of information. And it says, take you a great roll and write in it with a man's pen concerning ma hushal hash. And I took to me the faithful witness. Now, this great roll and a man's pen, there's something very interesting about that because whenever that man's pen, it didn't say, go and get you a pen and, 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 and write this. But take a man's pen is a reference to like in Ezekiel and in, in Daniel, uh, to the man who wore, uh, you know, uh, this, this particular kind of garb uh, you know, and and who who wore at his side uh, a, a writer's inkhorn, and we have described him as as uh, the ancient person Methuselah, who is uh, has been assigned as a record bearer of things happening on Earth in the histories, and so he's very deeply involved into the Sela reference of it all. And and so there's even a connection here, and, and uh, you know it. it the, the Lord is showing him this is not a small matter. This is going to take a huge role. This is going to take a lot of volume. Now we know that in the Bible that we don't have all of written information. The Bible itself tells us that there's like something like 22 books that are that we should read, but we can't read because so far at this time they're lost. And that is not to mention within the text itself the things that are displaced. But Isaiah's being told, you know, get a great roll, write these things down. So you, in a great roll, I mean, you can really write a lot of information. And then he goes out and he takes a faithful witness and listen to these names. Uriah, that's the name of one of the really powerful angels. And that angel is, that uses that name is sometimes Jesus Christ himself. And then a name like um, uh, Zechariah. There's another incredible name. There's a, a, a Bible book by that name in the Bible. And, and these are to be uh, witnesses. 
And then he says, I went into the, the prophet. Now, according to the Bible, uh, in the uh, seventh chapter of, uh, of Isaiah, um, you know, it, um, the third verse, we can see there that Isaiah already had a son. So before all these things had taken place, he'd been married and he already had a son. But now he goes and he gets the prophetess, which is no doubt must be his wife. And, and uh, he's got these two people that are top people. He's got the scroll. And they are there to witness him having a personal relationship at that time with his wife so that they could verify that this timing was done this way and be able to give a record of this, have these top people that would be recognized to sign it, that from that session that he had with the prophetess, his wife, she became pregnant. And from that pre pregnancy was to be born this child, and this, this, this child is fulfilling in a different way the fulfillments of the virgin prophecy. So, in a sense of the atom on this side of the universe belonging to the atom on the other side of the universe, in the sense of an alignment, in the sense of entanglement, there was a connection to this child that would be born, being a very special person, because that child would be standing in proxy. Just like when Herod slew all these other children, they were standing in proxy for Jesus Christ. Because Herod wasn't really looking for them. Particularly, he was really looking for Jesus Christ, but he had to kill all of them because he didn't know what form or body that Jesus was coming in. And so he didn't want to take a chance. He just was killing all these masses of young people. And they were in proxy for Jesus. But then Jesus... You know, by his holy living resurrection, resurrecting power, uh, caused them uh, to be able to come back. And in, in, in Jeremiah, it says, "Ladies, don't don't cry, don't weep, because your children are going to live again, and they're going to come back uh, into the land of uh, of um, of the enemy, which is, was Rome. And then from there, they're going to make their way back uh, to the land of Jerusalem." And uh, so all those things are still all connected to this whole story because that was part of the story of the, of the birth of Christ. So it's all connected. And so and this child that is to be born, before he can even know evil or good, all of these things are going to come to pass and it's going to be written in this book, all the details. It's going to be quite voluminous. And it's going to be written into the, you know, all the prophecies. Uh, obviously, it's going to include the invasion, you see, uh, that, that, is, um, that is going to take place, that it describes here, uh, this invasion that is like a, a river, uh, like a great river, uh, you know, uh, the king of Assyria and his army. Uh, and, and they are going to come against these two kings and destroy their armies and, and, and destroy these two kings. That's all going to be fulfilled. That's all going to happen in this time that Isaiah had predicted while he was alive on earth. And so this second marriage, uh, or not second marriage, but this second event, which was also uh, basically brought under the umbrella of the virgin event was done in such a sense 
is that it was actually a second event done under the umbrella of the version event, fulfilling the things that had been prophesied to happen under the version event, so that in the in effect the the um, second event here uh, that is to happen through this this birth of of, of the prophetess and, and Isaiah uh, is to fulfill and to act in place of. And so this person becomes then a proxy for the virgin birth, which he finds out, but too late, that cannot happen at this time, that is not the Lord's will or the plan. But nevertheless, because this has been prophesied and there's you know, national interest involved and spiritual interest involved and maybe even lives involved, then he goes on and he documents this in a large uh, scroll with all the facts and the data, with all these well-known people to, to uh, signify it. And then all, as all these things come to pass, it fulfills the prophecy. You know, now, you know, uh, Ahaz could have come back and said, yeah, but I thought this was going to be a virgin. You know, and of course, uh, Isaiah would have said, well, you know, uh, it was a virgin, virgin in the sense that this is done in proxy of a virgin event that is yet to happen, but we do not know when. But then, uh, as to the name Emmanuel, that, that this, um, uh, in the 14th uh, verse of the uh, 7th chapter of Isaiah, uh, that this uh, child of the Virgin was to be called Emmanuel. Uh, he doesn't call this child born of the prophetess Emmanuel, but he uses the term in the eighth verse of the eighth chapter, and he says, "And he shall pass through Judah." And he's talking about the Assyrian king, and shall overflow and go over, and he shall reach even to the neck, and the stretching out of his wings, and shall fill the breath of thy land, O Emmanuel, so that the credit then of the name Emmanuel that was to be born of the virgin is then being transferred over here as as uh, to the proxy of the of the child that is standing in place of that prophecy and in place of that particular um um, um, uh, of that particular uh, virgin event. And that sounds maybe a little complicated, but it just happens to be the way it really is. And then the transference is then uh, uh, made and given to Emmanuel, but not to the, to the as the name, which is documented what the name of that son would be, uh, which was totally different. But it's still the name comes up as part of the event of this uh, of Isaiah and the prophetess as being something that was then uh, incorporated within the victory of the king of Assyria and his armed forces uh, by their defeating these two kings, he was opening up the territory and the land for the blessings of God upon it and so that the the fulfillment of the uh, uh, of the coming of, of this wonderful revelation of God is with you, Emmanuel, could happen because these things needed to be cleared out of the way so that the virgin birth could eventually happen. And so in that sense, they were all tied together. And that was the story that you, uh, that I was trying to share with you. But it's not something that you could cover in five minutes. <laughs> okay, so um, there you go on that. 
and 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 uh, I hope that that does uh, uh, that does clear it up. Now um, I I do uh, believe that when that child was born, uh, that that there was something of the spirit of the Lord upon that child, uh, just like um, you know when um, uh, John the Baptist was born, uh, you know. Uh, he he had the Holy uh, Ghost uh, in his mother's womb. When Jesus was born, he had the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb, and both the mothers could feel the effect of it. And and there was a an alignment. There was a connection. Even though John the Baptist was not uh, uh, the Messiah, and the Messiah was not John the Baptist, nevertheless they were so connected in a certain way that when people would say to John and, and see John, they would say, "Are you the Messiah?" You know. And when uh, John was killed by, uh, you know, uh, by uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, what was it, Pilate, I believe. Uh, see who anyway it was one of the 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 people in charge here that killed. John asked for his head, and when they uh, they had killed uh, him, uh, then then uh, when Jesus began to expand his ministry, guess what? Uh, they began to, uh, even uh, even um, Herod, he he began to to think, my God, uh, and that's who it was, Herod. He began to think. John's come back alive. He's been re reincarnated. They called it then. Uh, you know, we call it regenerated because it's quite a difference of meaning. And so um, there's all these kind of connections. And I think there was a connection between this this example of Jesus and this 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 boy. And and I think that we don't have the story of it all. That uh, you know that that uh, what you know what that would, would be. Uh, you know, but uh, I think uh, uh, it 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 just his very name was a was a prophecy, and uh, and it was fulfilling these things of uh, of the word of God. So um, it's it's utterly interesting, and it's utterly uh, you know uh, how the Holy Spirit works. That is difficult for humans to understand, but it's all beautiful in its own way. So when we see how that Moses was able to share his spirit with 70 other persons, uh, Elijah was able to share his spirit with a double portion uh, with Elisha. Uh, when we begin to see how that uh, that the Bible talks about deferred uh, progeny, uh, that um, when Abraham met uh, Melchizedek, that uh, Abraham was carrying in his genes, in his loins, in his genes, uh, you know, uh, the the uh, character, uh, the genetic character uh, of Levi, who was not to be born for some time, but he was carrying it to the extent that when he paid tithes to Melchizedek, that that credit was given to Levi for having paid tithes to this great, incredible uh, person by the name of Melchizedek while he was uh, uh, connected uh, in a futuristic uh, thing to happen uh, to Abraham uh, with this great man and, and with the paying of tithes to him. So that Levi being born, you know, almost like generations later could say, yes, uh, I... I paid tithes to Melchizedek when he, he was here on earth. And someone say, what? What are you talking about? 
you weren't even born then. What do you mean you paid tithes? He said, well, yeah, I paid tithes uh, when I was not even conceived yet, but I was still uh, in the genes uh, of, of Abraham. I was in his loins. I said, what are you? Are you crazy? But, you know, uh, scientifically, more and more people are beginning to understand the possibility of these kind of things that they didn't understand for for many, many, many long generations of time. And and uh, as we begin to open up and be able to express these things, it, it changes our uh, world. <clears throat> it, it makes it so that, uh, you know, that it becomes more profound. So blessed be the name of God. Praise the name of God. Okay, now um, uh, there's um, you know um, um, we're we're going to talk about some other interesting things here that I think uh, you would just really find quite interesting. Um, <clears throat> let me just take a break here and get into this because it's uh, very very interesting. Okay, now. Um, we want to look at some things, and, and you want to really listen to this, because this is really important, and it will really help you in a lot of ways, okay? Now, in Hebrews 2.7, it says that, um, that uh, humans, mortals, were made a little lower than the angels. Okay, now I want to clear this up. I have never taught on this. Uh, it just hasn't been the right time. But I'm I want to I'm going to clear it up today because it all ties into this whole story of everything we're talking about. Okay, when it says that that the humans were just a little lower uh, than the angels, that would seem to go along with the angels committed folly, and that was all they committed. But as we really look at the mortals as they live on this earth, and the subduction zone and the Tartaru that they are imprisoned in. Uh, we have to, uh, in just all honest um, um, judicial mentality, have to see that there are some really deep, gritty uh, sins and transgressions uh, that have deepened uh, the the fallen angels into a really black uh, and distorted history. And that um, uh, for these people which is a vast majority of the people on the planet, to just, you know, be just a little bit lower than the angels. <coughs> it's scary. It's scary because it makes you wonder, like, well, do you, what, were, what, are, what are the angels really like then? They must not be, <laughs> they must be pretty far from divine if there's only just a little difference from them. And then eventually, the Bible says, then they become equal with the angels. Well, I want to explain this. Uh, I've taught that when the angels leave the first domain, which is a spirit realm, when they leave the angels' uh, realm, the spirit realm, they have to take on physical bodies. They come into the subduction zone of this world. And and in order to be expressed, in order to uh, be, be personified, characterized, they have to be able to take on human bodies. And so I've explained that when the Bible says, let us make man after our image, that these were the gods that were speaking, and the gods were saying, let us, plural, make man after our, plural, image. They were talking about the bodies that they had. 
So we know then that the that the bodies that that man had, uh, starting from uh, Adam on, uh, you know, were going to be bodies that the angels had when they came in. Now people not underst- came into the into the universe. People not understanding that think that it is comparing, you know, us as we are now to what the angels were in their highest glory. And that is so incredibly wrong and disastrous kind of thinking uh, that it, that is a, is a shamlock. And you don't want to get into that shamlock because it'll lock you in to one error and mistake after another of understanding the Bible. So what the truth of this is, is that they took, they, they, had taken on these subduction zone bodies, which were much lower than what the kind of spirit uh, bodies, uh, so to speak, that they had in the first domain. No comparison to the physical bodies they had to take uh, and what they had as spiritual bodies in the first domain. And we know, according to the book of Corinthians, uh, that there is a spiritual body and there is a uh, there is a physical body, so we know there's a differentiation that's that's uh, very largely uh, separated of of uh, levels from one to the uh, degree to the other. Now, when you begin to understand that, then this scripture is referring to to that very thing. You know, they didn't take on the bodies. Uh, you know, of of um, of, of you know angels uh, are the angels are just a little bit lower as it said here that a little lower than the angels but they're talking about the angel bodies that were taken on when they came into the universe now let's look at uh, some other scriptures uh, that will that will go along with that uh, Hebrews two sixteen uh, it says that Jesus took not on the nature uh, of the angels but he took on the seed of Abraham. So when Jesus, um, you know, took on this body, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't referring at all that, that he didn't take on one of these angels like what their uh, great height uh, uh, would have been of spirituality as spirit angels in the first domain, that he didn't take on that high glory. Uh, but he's, he's talking about there was available other kinds of bodies out there, and these bodies were were the kind of bodies that uh, that when in Genesis it said, you know, uh, let us make man after our image. There was a similarity, it wasn't exactly the same, but a similarity in how the bodies were made uh, uh, for the angels that were being made for for the human race. And uh, and but Jesus elected not to take on those uh, bodies of the angels, uh, uh, wh- which you know um, might have, with difficulty, somehow passed as uh, you know uh, being human-like. But but um, there is a difference, um, you know, uh, in 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 the countenance. There's a difference in the illumination. Uh, there's a difference in you know all kinds of other aura features, um, uh, and, and so th- those things are all important. Uh, there's a different rate in the body uh, of how the, um, you know, the, the, the uh, blood pressure works, uh, 
uh, of the levels of, of blood pressure. Uh, there's many, many things I could get into, but I, I just I don't want to today. I don't have enough time. But but um, he did not choose that. He said instead he chose the body of the seed of Abraham. That's what he chose uh, because he he wanted to work with the people that were uh, belonged to the to the large body of of people that are going to be under the Abrahamic uh, bosom care, uh, and and he wanted to you know be available to them. So that's why in um, uh, Hebrews, I think it is two seventeen through eighteen, it says he was made like unto his brethren, and that was all a part of what he was doing and what he wanted to do was to be made like unto his brethren. That was so very, very important. So we see that he could have taken the body type, one of the angel groups and their bodies, but he did not. He did not. And uh, let's just look at uh, Acts uh, 70, uh, verse 30. Acts 70, verse 30. And let's just uh, get a touch of that. See what it says. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Let me repeat that again for your sake. Acts 7. So right up there, uh, close to the front of the book. Uh, and uh, we're going to look and read this scripture. We're just about there. Here we go. Okay. Acts 7 and 30. Okay. So here's what it says. And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. Now, um, we are talking here, uh, Paul, Paul is as written, um, and um, it's either Paul or Luke, but anyway, I think it is uh, Paul here. He has written this story about Moses and how he was had fled Egypt, and how that he was in the land of uh, of Midian, and where he begot two uh, begat two sons, and when the forty years were expired, I want you to listen to this. There appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. Now, I hope that you were able to listen to that, because it is quite different interpreted than how it appears in the Old Testament. But this is very similar to how I have interpreted it when I said, you know, that was not a, a bush. That was a zith that had landed. And there was an angel in the middle of that zith. And we know that when the um, Elijah went up, uh, he, he caught this chariot of fire. It's called a chariot of fire. And... and uh, that's that, and, and and there was, you know, uh, the the pilots thereof, you know, that that were driving it, and um, when you look at this, this is what it says. It says the flame of fire is not the bush plant, but something in the bush. So let's read it again. There appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. So now we have two prepositions, two ends. In a flame of fire, there's your chariot. There's your zith. 
and the Zith is in the bush, out in the bush area. And this fiery condition that it seems to be perpetual is actually connected to this Zith and not connected to the bush because it's <clears throat> it's in the flame which is describing this flaming chariot which is in the bush. And that doesn't just mean one single bush, but people say they'll people say, Well, I'm going out to the bush and they're talking about a whole wilderness area that's full of bush. And so this this here is very, very clear. Now, what does that have to do with the rest of this we're talking about? What that has to do is all the incremental facts and the forensic facts that when we're talking about angels, when we're talking about about uh, flying vehicles that fly in the air, that they're like from another planet, uh, it's there, it's in the Word. But people have missed it because they have missed these important indicators these important little factual uh, things that, that take spiritual forensic insight. And, and it, it is just so important. Uh, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says an interpreter is sometimes not born. Uh, there's not even one in a, in, a, in a thousand found, you know, in a thousand years. And, and so, you know, it's so important to be able to have this knowledge, to be able to 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 share this knowledge and and to be be able to put this forth so that you know the real full and complete revelation of God uh you know can can be shared and and to understand that there are seraphim angels and each, there is cherubim angels and each one of those is a lord of hosts so that you have the lord of hosts of the cherubims you have a lord of hosts of the seraphims and the these lords are archangels also called fathers, and these, um, you know, you have the Lord of the host of the Ophanim. So these are very, and so in uh, chapter 12, verse 7, it talks about Michael and his angels. So we talk about Michael and his angels, you know, Michael, of course, was the archangel of the seraphims. So it's talking about Michael and his seraphim angels. And there are times in the Bible that it's talking about Gabriel and his cherubim angels, and Yaviel and his Ophanim angels. And these are the divisions that are created so that when the various uh, chiefs of, of the holy uh, um, spirits that have uh, overcome and, and made it into the first domain, uh, are divided when they go out and to do creations. Wow. So that is that is so absolutely important uh, for people to get that in their mind. And you remember the scriptures, John fifteen nineteen, not of this world. You know, uh, Matthew five uh, uh, verses fourteen through sixteen, not of this world. Um, uh, Matthew uh, eighteen thirty six. Not of this world. If I if I was of this world, my servants would fight. But I'm not of this world, so they're not going to fight for the stuff that's going on here. These are are so important. They all tie in. You know. Okay. Then we know that there are fallen angels. There's two types. There's the, the types of fallen angels uh, that are the the demons that were co-owned with with the Satan. Uh, 
and so they are they are fallen cherubims that they but they were koun that means that they had they had uh, entered into uh, Satan and they were sharing the same space and the same body and the same mind they were so aligned with him they were they were kouned with him and uh and so there was you know legions and legions and legions that had kouned with him and uh, so it was those that group of angels which which are the the bad fallen angels then there's the ophanims that fell because the bible says the ophanims uh, came down and fell from heaven came down at the same time that 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 lucifer did and and so we know that there are these two different groups and people have not understood that they have really goofed up on that by not understanding it then there are two kinds of watchers i've had people say to me now watchers are evil they are all evil i said no they're not you go to the book of daniel and you'll see that there's some of these wa- watchers that are actually uh, being used of god and in the 18th chapter of matthew it talks about these these uh, people that the angels that are guardians and that's another kind of watcher and those are good watchers they're watching out and guardian uh, guardians for for uh, god's people and so when people get mixed up and they start saying oh fallen angels that's evil that's evil wrong it can be even if it's referring to the demons uh, that the angels that were that were cherubim possessed within uh lucifer and have fallen now down into earth yeah those are evil uh you know and uh but but and and the ophanims uh, you know, they have an e- evil aspect to them, too, but not in the same uh, magnitude. Uh, and they are not, They are. there's a division, they are not the same. You know, the, the, the one is totally involved with salvation, the other group is not. And the same thing with the watchers. And when people start saying, you know, oh, if you say anything about watchers, they're all evil. If you say anything about fallen angels, that's all evil. Be careful. Get away from that. These people don't even know what they're talking about. They do not know the Bible. And they think that they know it. And some of these people have degrees. But their degree is for whatever denomination they are in. And and they've really learned the doctrine of their church, of their denomination, but they don't really know the doctrine of the whole Bible. And and that's what the seriousness of that uh, you know uh, whole thing is, and we know that spirits they have cognizance even after they have left the body. That's why in First Peter three eighteen through ten, Jesus went and preached to the spirits in in prison so that they they had cognizance they could understand, and we know that we are in a state in which. We are progressing toward uh, redeeming our our lost, uh, uh, you know, essence uh, of angelship, uh, because the Bible tells us in First Timothy five twenty one uh, that we are elect angels. So all these things just come together, and uh, you know, uh, they 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 verify in the most uh, beautiful and prolific uh, ways uh, the things of God of God. And, uh, uh, you know, there's there's more things that we could talk about, like uh, Song of the Solomon 2.14. It talks about the cliffs of the rocks. Song of the Solomon 7.5 talks about being born under the apple tree. Uh, we could expand this thing on the virgin birth uh, to, to many different situations because last week we shared with you how that uh, in Isaiah and in other books of the Bible, there's all these different names that were attributed to being the name that 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 that. Jesus would have uh, 
and, and he would have all of these different names. And yet we can see that when we really look at the Bible, that, that these names were accorded to him in his ministry and appearances that he has uh, made on the earth at different times, like when, uh, you know, the famous scripture uh, that, that uh, he was the rock that followed the children of Israel in, in the wilderness. And I've heard people, people say, yeah, but now in the, in the Old Testament, uh, the word church did not exist. Wrong. It did exist. And it, and it talks about the church thing in the wilderness. So, you know, don't make a quote that you don't know what you're talking about. And and definitely don't get involved talking to someone that does know and try to make like you know when when for sure that you don't, and and so uh, you know no one we're not trying to be smart or put you down we're just trying to say you know just become humble and just listen get these teachings down so that you will you'll know what, what you are talking about you'll be able to take advantage of it that's to be the name of God. So yes, we know that. Uh, that uh, there are so, so many things. We know that if you go into the uh, Bible, you'll see several times when the Lord has talked to the Lord. So we see that, you know, that there's a Lord of Lords and the God of Gods. And, and if people don't get the word of, uh, of the Bible in their minds, then the minute you mention something that they haven't got it all together, and you say, oh my, you're teaching Lords. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. Lord of Lords. You're teaching God. Yes, that's what the Bible says. God of gods. And, and well, no, he's talking about the God of the idols. Oh, so God's the God of idols? Oh, come on. You know, come on. Get, get off that sinking ship. Because there's a whole world of people out there with false ideas uh, that if they don't get changed, they're going to die with those ideas. And, and, and it's not going to be very healthy for them in their regeneration if they have one. Okay, so... Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Praise the Lord. We never really did get to get into the thing about the cave birth. Um, I don't really have time to do that. Uh, we talked a little bit about it. Uh, we talked about the star of Bethlehem. That was a zith. That was good. Uh, we covered a little on the birth of the cave thing. Uh, how that that could be a uh, cave could actually be uh, behind the house, be part of the house, and there is there are actual uh, instances of that that happened around that time in history, and uh, you know, uh, but but you know these things are just all interesting, and they're uh, meant for us to to take it so far. We talked about all the stranger thing that was quite the revelation with all those uh, uh, you know various kinds of uh, of references that that was there that we were able to share with you and uh so you know it's it's uh it's it's sort of a hallelujah thing uh how great and wonderful it is that uh, it's happening i'm gonna have to keep moving on here because i don't want to run out of time i've got a lot to share with you yet you know a lot of things i want to do here yet uh that uh, will be interesting um let's see here um there's some interesting scriptures that um you know, where uh, in, in uh, Revelations 12, 1 through 6, it talks about uh, the, the, the woman from heaven becoming pregnant and with child and going to give birth to the man-child. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the serpent, the dragon is after her to devour him. <coughs> and then we, we, we have scriptures, um, 
you know, like in Isaiah twenty one three and twenty six seventeen that are that are quite interesting. I might just read a little bit of that. Uh, I just uh, don't want to leave this stuff out. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to get. I'll hopefully be able to get through all this stuff that I want to get through because uh, it it is so important that that you understand it, that you remember it. You know that that you you get that down, you remember it. So we're going to look right now at uh, Revelations twenty one three. Okay, twenty one three. Therefore, my loins filled with pains. Pains have taken a hold upon me as the pains of a woman that travaileth. I was bowed down at the hearing of it. I was dismayed at the seeing of it. My heart panted. Fearfulness affrighted me. The night of my pleasure hath turned into the fear upon me. And I think this was written by Isaiah. And I think this was the experience that he had when he discovered uh, that between chapter 7 and chapter 8, uh, that that uh, the Lord was going to fu- fulfill uh, that the Lord was going to fulfill a different time, and and that uh, the the thoughts as he had prophesied it wasn't really quite aligned with allowing the Lord to be the one that made the decision on the when of the birth of of that child, and and uh, you know and, and so uh, I think that when he, that that really came to him that this describes the state that he was in. Therefore my loins filled with pain. Pains have taken a hold upon me, as the pains of a woman that travaileth. I was bowed down at the hearing of it. I I was amazed, or dismayed at the seeing of it. My heart panted. Fearfulness affrighted me, and the night of my pleasures hath he turned into fear. Now I know this is put in between uh, some other uh, context, but that's the way a lot of the Bible was written, and he would not have wanted uh, it to ever get back uh, to to uh, people uh, concerning that prophecy that he had this meltdown experience. Uh, but I think that that was pretty obvious that he did. Uh, let's look real fast in Isaiah at uh, chapter um, forty nine. Chapter 49. Okay, here we go. It's a, it's a neat one here. Um, <clears throat> and this is uh, this is really interesting. In verse 5, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be uh, glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Now, now here's an incredible. I mean, this this could be a long three, three or four, uh, you know, um, broadcast teaching. But but this idea of bringing Jacob again, uh, and and uh, there's another place in in the Bible where where it assigns all these different names of of uh, you know great men of God, and it talks about you know that their names will be assigned to different people and they are to fulfill the lives of those particular great men and and uh, uh it is just not like people think it is uh, on this life there is much more to it there's much more depth there's much more height you know and and uh, uh it's like the scripture in Isaiah says who will who will believe uh you know the report who will believe this report? Uh, it is pretty obvious that it's going to be very difficult 
for you know some people to really be able to see and to believe some of these things. But as time goes on, more and more people are going to believe it. And and um, there's a, another scripture um, that, uh, if I can find it here real fast, uh, that is very, very interesting, that just just goes along uh, with all this kind of, of teaching. Um, <clears throat> and this is in Isaiah, uh, in the 66th verse, uh, and we'll uh, read verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Now, here's something very different and very strange. Before she travailed, she was brought, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Then it says, who, and I read this to you last week, but, but I thought it important to read it again. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? Now listen to this. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth children. And yet in verse 7, it said before she travailed, she brought forth. So we have a classic parallel of two different examples. One that before she travailed, she brought forth. One that after she travailed, she brought forth. And these obviously have to either refer to a mistake in the Bible by a scribe, and and uh, there's been a lot of opportunities for that to be amended, and it never has. Uh, it's obviously a deep meaning that people can recognize is profound, and but they don't know what to do with it, you know. And and the 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 thing of it is is uh, uh, you know here's an alignment of two different kinds that seem to be off opposite. It's almost like the electron and the positron. You know, the, the electron, um, you know, uh, is positive. The positron is negative. And yet they are, they both sort of belong to each other, uh, you know, because they represent almost two different kinds of polarity. And and uh, you have situations like that in chapter 7 and, and 8 of Isaiah. And, and you, you have that example set here in this particular thing uh, that, that I have read and shared with you. So, uh you know, uh, this thing of bringing forth um, uh, a new nation in one day uh, is, is something beautiful and something that, uh, you know, God is trying to to uh, make known to his people uh, because uh, God God uh, is bringing people now into into a new, a new and living way. And uh, things things aren't uh, aren't the same uh, as they have been in the past. Uh, God is moving uh, in in a new way because the earth that we are living in is going through major changes. Just major changes are happening on this earth, and and uh, God wants His people uh, to not be at the bottom of of intelligence, at the bottom of knowledge and wisdom. God wants us, you know, to be uh, right at the top. Now, here's another one in Isaiah. 26. Like as a woman with child that draweth near in the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her pains, so have we been in thy sight, O God. We have been with child. We have been in pain. They've been with child. Oh, really? And we have been in pain. We have brought forth wind and have not wrought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world 
fallen. Now, a child has been brought forth, but the child that's been brought forth does not have the anointing of God upon him, does not have the destiny of God upon him, does not have the ensign of the, of the testimony of God upon him, because the workshop of God has been neglected, and the revelation of God has been unknown. And so people have just been diddling with their religious experiences and just bringing forth wind, meaning just not producing the real powerful thing. And the real powerful thing is so totally different, so unexpectedly different. And it sort of gives a description of it in the 19th verse. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. They shall rise. They shall arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust. For the dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people, enter thou into my, thy chambers. Shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. This is a really full, rich, deep revelation. It, it is it's incredible. You know, the dead men are now going to, men, men plural, are now going to take up the dead body of the Lord, singular, and all be able to be manifested and all be able to be a part of that by, by this special uh, teaching that we teach of trans-assimilation. And that is the real birth. That is the real incredible revelation that you know God is trying to bring the light into, into the life and into the world, and people are just ignorant of it. And, and uh, so when we talk about, uh, you know, uh, some of the incredible things, like I've shared these with you different times, but how the, the spirit, there is a residue of the spirit, Malachi 2.13, you know, and uh, we know in the scripture where I think I told you last week where it says, the you know, the, uh, the angel of the covenant, but it's actually from the word, uh, they took the word angel out because they were afraid that that's somehow going to give a reference to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ as being an angel. So they changed it to, to, uh, to messenger. And uh, so that was Malachi 3.1. And so I've given you two scriptures there, Residue of the Spirit, Malachi 2.13, um, or 2.15 rather, and uh, <clears throat> Messenger Angel of the Covenant, Malachi 3.13. And then in Zechariah 12.1, it talks about the forming of the spirit happens within man. <clears throat> so these are, uh, you know, in incredible revelations that God is dealing with to help people foresee and foreknow. Uh, there's even scriptures like in Proverbs 16.22, the Lord weighs the spirits. And I wish I had time to get into that, and eventually someday we will. <clears throat> And there's the revelation of the tares in Matthew 13, 24. Who were these tares? You know, they grew with the wheat. And the wheat represented people. What did the tares represent? They were planted by the enemy. They're definitely different looking. They don't look really like the wheat. But somehow they're able to grow with the wheat. You know, 
Well, we're really talking here some demon possession, aren't we? <coughs> in a massive, in a massive, um, of uh, you know, a force field, and uh, so there's you know a, a lot of understanding when the Lord said the day's coming you you're going to have to worship God in the spirit and in truth. Okay, now um, I've got some other things I want to share just a little bit here. Uh, let let me go to the uh, Seven Thunders book and just read a little bit here. It's so beautiful, uh, written by Tanuel. Um, Four Beatitudes of Opportunities. I, Tanuel, remember, and this is on page 137. This is the uh, Seven Thunders Speak, Manifest Chronicles before Genesis. If you don't have one of these books, uh, I feel sorry for you. You really should have one. They're incredible. <clears throat> I, Tanuel, remember the four Beatitudes of Opportunities and say, Hear me, precious ears, fastened to precious lives. Hear me um, um, from the voice of my love for you. When my destiny in the Troniverse was fulfilled, I was given choices. Faithful one, you, faithful one, you have given grace and waltzing to your romancing, romancing of love. You give character of poise and brilliance of taste in your queenship. You have been most always pleasant most always patient. Your love for good has never dimmed. Therefore, to you it is given, it, to you is given a rare and saw, seldom opportunity to choose two beatitudes from four opportunities. The beatitude of God's eyes that see forever. The beatitude of God's eyes that see forever destinies. Or the beatitude of glories enfolding. Or the beatitude of glories enfolding destinies. And just think if you were a person that was had to make a choice between those, the beatitude of God's eyes that see forevers, the beatitude of God's eyes that see forever destinies, one is more specific than the other. Same thing with the beatitude of the glories unfolding as compared to the glories unfolding uh, of destinies. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, oh, how I remember the moment divine. I was intoxicated with awe. My mind raced to heaven's dance floor. I began to dance, spinning, sliding, spinning, sliding, tipping and prancing, tipping and prancing. Waves of a vibrant resonance caressed me, and I began to waltz enchantingly. For a reverberation, reverberating moment, a, a sympathetic potentiation uh, as I danced just outside of a metal outer fringe, a mental outer fringe of the first domain. It seemed my son Yavi was dancing with me. I halted, for now I knew I must choose between the be the beatitude forever. Now, this was not just a thing like, okay, Yavi, you know, uh, Tanuel had no choice. She had to make the decision to do this particular thing. No, she had a choice. And there was four different choices. And she had a choice to decide you know, which one of these Beatitudes that she wanted to take. And so she's dancing, and everything's being put out on the floor. She sees her son. She's like dancing with her son. And and, and um, she's at the very edge of a mental outer fringe, 
like of the first domain. She's balanced between the things of the first domain and the things with her son Yavi. And and she says, I halted, for now I knew I must cho- choose the beatitude of forever eyes and the beatitude uh, uh, of forever eyes destiny. The floor beneath me began to become dots. I was now floating on what seemed to be nothing. <clears throat> the dots became two whirlwinds that suddenly vortexed into two streams and headed directly toward me. Before I could speak or react, these two streams entered my eyes. Then after a while, I was jolted into a series of awakenings from a deepened uh, deepness in my mind. Many things that I saw I will not speak of at this juncture, which concerned the revelation of the of the scintilla uh, of awe and awe's destiny in Yasha and Yah's destiny in M-ship. I thank you, O Most High One, for the unfold of this mystery. I thank you for uh, this son who will become a son of the ages. I thank you for the root that sprouts Yavi. Now I will speak further of my son Yavi. He was deferred to my time. Now see, he was destined for another time, but he was deferred to her time. And that's how a lot of times these births happen on earth. There are people that are deferred, not only from another time, but sometimes from another, uh, you know, kind of life, like, uh, like, you know, from the Artesian life uh, to be on a mission and come into, you know, the earth life. Uh, because the Arturians are humans, and and uh, because they they are part of uh, the offspring of Enoch, and and the 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 earthly people, the humans are human, of course. Okay, <clears throat> I was floating on what seemed to be nothing. The dots became two whirlwinds that suddenly vortexed into two streams and headed directly toward me. I could speak or react. These two streams entered my eyes. Then after a while, I was jolted into a series of awakening from a deep and deepness of my mind. Many things that I saw, I will not speak at this juncture, which concern the revelation uh, of the scintilla of awe and awe's destiny in Yahship and Yah's destiny in Amship. I thank you, O Most High One, for the unfold of this mystery. I thank you for this son who will become a son of the ages. I thank you for the root that sprouts Yavi. Now I will speak further my son Yavi. He was deferred to my time from a great, great past. I saw that after my time he will be deferred again another time. And this goes along with these teachings that we were going through on the different names and how that those were occurring at different times in the in the history. I saw him uh, encompassed in a bubble. He held his hands on the transparent bubble wall as he intensely looked outward. As my eyes followed him, I saw his eyes were upon the dark hordes and the suffering and the needy. I knew Yavi wanted to help them, but he was held in a bubble of time. Then I said, why can he not be freed and go and help these suffering? And a voice said to me, there is no mother to birth him again. Now this is the incredible crux. This is the incredible parallel moment. I knew this was about a conjunction in time between a great, great past and a parallel in time. That was universe, that was universes into the future. Yet I craved to birth my son again. I chose the forever eye's destiny. I whispered from my shock being, I choose to birth my son again. I choose to help the dark hordes. 
thoughts about the legends of awe and Gog and the dark hordes came to my mind. In a way, history was repeating itself. I repeated my decision. I choose to help the dark hordes. Then the voice spoke. So shall it be. Suddenly, I saw beyond. Moving pictures played into my minds. Future visions raised in descriptive portrayals. I would become a spiritual mother to the dark hordes, who would be rebirthed from the inner Alpha Ages. I, Tanuel, would become Dominius, and after becoming Dominius, I would become the mother of awe again as as um, Maria, Mary, the mother of Yahweh, Jesus Christ. So it was in the vision of what could be, uh, or what may not be, in the eyes of forever de- uh, destinies. Wow. Um, that's beautiful. And, of course, there's a lot more there. And some of you, uh, you know, have probably had a chance to read it. Um, I hope that you have. Uh, but, uh, okay, that's all we're going to read on that right now. Then I want to share something else with you. Uh, uh, this is really quite important. This was written um, by uh, E.W. Bollinger, D.D. Uh, uh, he's a doctor of divinity, but he's also a, uh, a, a uh, has degrees in mathematics. He's, he was a top mathematician. And um, he did not um, come up with all the revelation in this book. It was a lady that many, many generations of time before him. But he did, you know, uh, improve on uh, some of the language structure. And, uh, uh, but this, this is called The Witness of the Stars. And um, I've uh, done a lot of teaching about, about uh, the stars and, and, you know, some of these kind of things. And from this book, The Witness of the Stars by Bollinger, uh, I'm going to read just a, you know, a few things here. I don't have a lot of time. Um, uh, this is on page 149. The three, constellation, three uh, constellations develop the truth. What is now called Urja Minor is the lesser flock. Now get this down. What is now called Urja Minor is the lesser flock. Urja Major gives us the sheepfold and the sheep, while Argo, the ship, shows the travelers and the pilgrims brought safely home all conflict over. Uh, This is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, that's written in the stars. There are stories that tell this whole transition uh, of the people from the earth to the stars and from the stars to the earth. Uh, There are incredible revelations that, 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 you know, show us the gospel that is written in the stars. And... um, to accomplish this, we see uh, the true uh, Isaacar bowing his shoulder to bear. Uh, he could say, and uh, and then I'm just going to move on here. Um, then the polar star has been removed uh, from the dragon and is now in the lesser fold. Now remember, the lesser fold was Asia, Asia Minor. And when the dragon shall be cast down from the heavens, the heavenly seed, the heavenly seed, will be will be uh, safely folded there. Now, you need to get this down. You really need to get this down. This is ancient stuff. This is going way, way back. 
uh, before Bollinger, this was written, and and, uh, and and of course, it's been written in the stars way back. And it tells the story, the polar star, which you've heard of the polar star, the North Star, is actually in the constellation, so to speak, in the area of the constellation of the Little Dipper. And the Little Dipper is part of the um, Ursa Minor, which... Uh, in folds, what's called the lesser fold. But the lesser fold, as it is being described here, you see, there have always been a smaller company, a little flock, but the kingdom shall be theirs. Even the kingdom of God, uh, for which they now look and wait, uh, you know. And so it goes on, um, uh, you know, these are those who all through the ages have been partakers of the heavenly calling, who desired a better country that is the heavenly, wherefore God has prepared for them a city, the city uh, for which Adam himself uh, looked. This was no earthly city, but a city uh, prepared by, by God. Okay. Uh, this is this is so neat. This is so incredible. Uh, but this is the lesser sheep fold. These are they who, through all the ages, have been the particular uh, partakers of the heavenly call, calling. As I read, uh, God has prepared them a city, the city for which Abraham himself looked. This was no this was no earthly city, but a city whose builder and maker is God. There have always been a smaller company, and I read that to you. Now. This is a revelation about um, the lesser flock and about the father's house. That is this lesser flock. These are the like the hundredfold people. You know, they they have that destiny. Doesn't guarantee them that they you know make the hundredfold calling, but they have that destiny on their life. And um, they they are in this fold. There's the the other fold, the larger fold which is in the Big Dipper constellation, Asia uh, Major area, where the Abrahamic Covenant is uh, and where the Abrahamic bosom is. But in the Lesserfold area, which is, which is where the uh, Father's House planet is located, uh, that is a literal place. And here we have, you know, a story of it uh, saying this very thing that I've been ministering to you. This is not just some fluky, kooky uh, idea that no one has ever thought of. This has been written in the stars. The angels know this. And this is not some some exclusive to Jerry Lee thing. This is a Bible thing, and it is a, a written in the stars revelation. And I just wanted to read that to you because it is absolutely so sensational. Okay, now we're... We're getting there. Uh, I wanted to share with you um, just real fast, get this out of the way, <clears throat> 2012 um, uh, forecast. Uh, number one, um, underground advance on technological weapons, nanotechnology, uh, capable of, of, of uh, uh, moving from uh, technical circuits that can operate um, uh, uh, from uh, such... Um, Close circuit speeds as even uh, auto seconds, and uh, if you understand an auto second, uh, uh, they say that if you compared, you know, a second uh, in the sense of the difference between an auto second and a second, 
then in relationship to time, uh, it would be a difference of something like 32 billion years. It, it, it is such a small, minute fraction. And, and uh, so uh, there's incredible developments that are happening uh, along those lines with the United States, Canada too, and Israel, and uh, some of the allies, but especially the United States. Um, number two, there's going to be forthcoming uh, American revitalization uh, on infrastructures uh, that are planned, uh, which, you know, uh, uh, is also involved about uh, things like the Canadian pipeline that's going to, you know, increase all kinds of work opportunities. Uh, number three, oil, ga oil, gases, minerals, rare earths. <coughs> In five, less, five years to, to uh, two and a half to five years, uh, it is now being said very uh, emphatically that within two and a half to five years, the United States will be number one oil producer in the world. They will, they, they will outproduce uh, all of, a, of Asia, all of these Arab states that have produced so much oil. Uh, the United States is going to be number one again. They're going to pass them. This is going to just happen. You know, uh, practically within this this next presidential term, when it when it starts, it's going to happen, and and uh, <clears throat> all these military uh, inventions. Um, uh, I, I, when people have been saying to me, "Oh, this is the end. The country's going to fold. They're going bankrupt," and I've been saying, "No, you've got the wrong information. Who are you talking to? That's not the way it's going to happen." That is not how it's going to happen. Get off that that prophet of doom stuff. Get off that 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 uh, uh, that book that's written with with uh, you know uh, the black ink of doom, and uh, bring yourself around to start realizing that you know uh, God bless America, <laughs> and and uh, and uh, I I see that um, you know there's there are going to be. Some really uh, incredible things happen. And I know people are saying, oh, look at they're turning into this, they're turning into that. You know, yeah. Well, tell me where else you can go and better yourself. You know, if you're so positive that you can go somewhere else and better yourself, get on your horse and go there. You're, you, you know, you're a free agent, you know. Uh, but but, but uh, don't, don't just, you know, uh, knock the country that you were born in uh, that, that, you know, that, that is your land. Uh, you know, you got a chance to vote, vote what you believe, and and uh, but uh, you know there's destiny going on out there. And yes, the United States isn't going to be the same kind of a republic that it was way back when there was not that many people. Uh, there are huge amounts of people, and it's growing every day exponentially. And and uh, and when there's all this thing going on uh, with, with uh, you know, these uh, Asiatic people who want to destroy America, uh, this calls, uh, uh, you know, for a, for a lot of strategic uh, protection concepts that make it very inconvenient sometimes for the people that are living here. But that's just all part of what we got to put up with. And, you know, if, and if you have decided that you want to live on top of a, of a of an earthquake zone, and you, you know it's there, and you've known it for years, but you know you 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 like the weather and the environment. If an earthquake happens, you lose your home, your and maybe your life. Uh, you've nobody to really blame but yourself because you've known that. And these things are aren't caused by terrorists; they're caused by nature. 
They're caused by nature. All these earthquakes are caused by nature. All these things like that that people are so worried about are caused by nature. And then number four, the military gain in the way of uh, computer. Uh, the 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 computer is just going to move, advance even even this year. Uh, there's going to be incredible advances in computer things that you won't maybe even get to to see because they're so secret. That's happening uh, with the United States and and uh, some of these uh, new uh, uh, developments that are occurring. These are big, huge, uh, substantial things. Number five, uh, you know. Um, Political uproar, unexpected uh, uh, changes, and input. But when we talk about political uproar, uh, uproar, we're not talking about, you know, uh, 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 we're not talking about the kind of havoc that is like a revolution. But we're talking about that that there's going to be new ideas uh, that that uh, Congress is going to be forced to come through with, and and there's going to be a change. In, in the way that a lot of these things have been conducted, and it's going to be for the good of the United States. And uh, uh, these things are, you're going to start seeing these things. And uh, the year 2013, uh, it's, it's, it's going to start, it's going to start shining some bright new things. Uh, there will still be threats of, of natural things like earthquakes, volcanoes, you know, storms. <clears throat> Um, the ice glaciers are melting. Uh, I I had a prophecy of that over 40 years ago, and people at the time, even you know, uh, geologists and people said you're absolutely crazy, you're absolutely nuts. I says, well, you call me what you want, but this will happen. And now we're beginning to see the things that that I prophesied over 40 years ago is coming to pass. People say, what are you moving up to Canada for? I said, well, it's going to get warm there. I mean, th- th- we're into January, and and it's so warm up here, you can almost wear, wear a T-shirt out. Uh, it uh, That might be a little extreme, but, I mean, it's just about like that. I I feel pretty comfortable sometimes, even outside with a T-shirt. Uh, but it, it it's amazing. And uh, uh, I, I think that, that, that you know, uh, we need to be positive about everything. You know, I'm a dual citizen, so I'm I'm a United States citizen. I'm a Canadian citizen. I love the United States. I love Canada. Uh, uh, I am not telling these things to put anybody down, <clears throat> but I think it's time, you know, to start being positive. It's time to start believing. Um, I was hoping tonight to get into the. Um, see, what do we got? Looks like we're just about out of time here. Um, you know, we we had. Uh, we had some questions uh, that people have asked, uh, you know, and like uh, <clears throat> someone here asked about the, um, the, the how many Artursians are here on the earth. And uh, if there are 10,000 Artursians here, are we, are we aware of, uh, of, are we aware of them? Are they aware of each other? Um, you know, it's not just 10,000. Uh, the, the scripture in, in in the book of Jude is thousands, t- uh, thousands of you know, thousands like t- tens of thousands, and and so it's it's quite the number. But this is talking about a protracted period of time, over over generations that that is talking, and uh, and so you know, uh, yes, yeah, some of these Arturians will know each other, some of them will not, uh, you know, uh, 
is this uh, is are there are there people here uh question from uh you know um other planets um <clears throat> other star um uh, uh kingdoms like uh the pleiades and and uh and and uh some of those kind of places um uh no uh, the the angels from those uh various uh star sources uh, visit here but uh they do not take bodies here this is basically an ophanim domain uh the the uh Arturians are also ophanim and and uh, of course you have some of the demonic forces, which are cherubim, but their thing is really not to take bodies. Uh, but, you know, they will have their own kind of bodies uh, at some point, at some time. You know, lots of, uh, lots of things will be happening along that line, uh, you know. And the question was, uh, um, you know, am I, uh, I'm wondering if, um, if um, you know, the, the former rain, uh, I think these people mean R-A-I-N, may be uh, led by spirit by the Arturians, now living in earth bodies, that they will rise up to a higher knowledge of understanding, set the stage for the ministry of the latter rain. I, I think that's true. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go along with that. I thought it was really neat. Uh, I hope he doesn't mind my, my mentioning his name, but Larry McDonald, and I'm sure his uh, wife, Betty's long into the same kind of thinking. Uh, Larry McDonald writes, the manifest revelations call out for a rewrite of mankind's history on this earth. I am so thankful, so thankful for all of these teachings. And I just think that is a wonderful comment to have. Um, do the Arturians have physical body like us? Uh, yes, they do. Um, they are humans. Uh, I want to thank, um, uh, you know, uh, all the people who are asking these questions. Um, I want to, uh, uh, you know, thank uh, uh, those uh, of you who have been so faithful to be concerned uh, and, uh, and willing to play a part in this whole thing. Uh, it's, it's beautiful beautiful that that you are carrying like that that you know uh you know uh, are are uh, are there any good angels um uh, uh that take physical bodies now other than our tertians uh um well you just got to get this thing straight about who the Arturians really are uh the our tertians are humans and and they were taken just before the flood to our Arturus, which is the Father's house. And they have physical bodies like ours. And that is, uh, you know. Um, question, if some souls are, uh, if some souls born on, uh, if some souls born on this earth came from Arturia, do other souls on this earth come from the Orion or the Pleiades? And I answered that. No, uh, they don't. Uh, just, we're not talking but ophanims, and uh, that includes the Arturians. Uh, the um, cherubim home planet uh, uh, is, um, uh, as explained by Jaber, I want to really thank Jaber. Jaber um, had asked, you know, uh, could I help you? Could I answer some of these letters and questions? And, you know, I've told him absolutely because I am just amazed at the knowledge and the clarity of understanding that he has. He, he is uh, a top man. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate him. Thank you, Jaber. 
you you are uh, a very special person, and I thank you. And uh, so so you know uh, you know uh, yes, there are uh, there's the base for the cherubims, which is the Pleiades. There's a base uh, for the um, uh, seraphims, which is Orion. Uh, we're just about finished here. Uh, those things are, are just, uh, you know, all true, and they're important. Uh, there's some other questions that were asked. Um, I think, uh, you know, Ken Burroughs was wanting a rundown on some of the different L's, and Jaber just sent him a whole bunch of information on this. I breezed through it real fast. It looks right. Looks like you did a really good job. We'll just leave that like that. If you are interested, uh, this particular thing is now uh, uh, in the comments section about the different hells. Uh, and, and the just right down at the bottom of the comments, you might find that interesting to look at what the Jabera wrote there. Uh, it's from the manifest teachings, you know. Okay, one more here. Um, I wanted to see to share with you the scripture about the angel who walks through the flame uh, and. Uh, and this is um, this is when in the days of Manoah and his wife, who were the parents of of uh, Samson, uh, they feel that this must be the Lord because uh, Manoah worshipped, uh, you know. But actually, there is no place uh, that I've read or remember uh, they fell down on the ground. But uh, that was just out of their fear that because they recognized they had seen someone that's like God um, that there's nothing that really says they worshipped uh, but I mean uh, the incredible things I'm going to be mentioning this very thing uh, about the angel uh, going up into this flame of fire and ascending uh, yes uh, the angel of the Lord can be Yahweh in another form uh, or it could be the assigned angel representing him um, now, as I bring this to a close, I want to remind you people that have not yet looked at the latest uh, blog on the Acts of America, Tesla, and the fifth, um, uh, you know, force. Uh, I'm not far from having another, uh, you know, blog on Acts of America ready to go on, but I really would like you to get on there and make your comments. Your comments are very important and uh, show that you're really interested uh, in this Tesla thing. I really appreciate letters I've gotten clear from overseas saying that they're following this. I, God bless you. God bless all of you people. And I want to thank you people that you know, have sent uh, offerings. Uh, I'm getting different ones now. They're starting to send $20, $25. Uh, I, don't, I don't take that for granted because, you know, if enough people would do that, it would add up. And I thank you for that. I'm not saying this for you trying to get anybody to putting money in. I just want to thank you that have done that. Now let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for those people tonight that might be suffering in body. Those people with pains. Those people with depressions. Those people with confusion. Those people that are searching for certain kinds of answers for their, their home needs. Uh, I just pray that your Holy Spirit right now will, will go out over uh, these broadcast waves and will enter into the hearts of these people, giving them peace. The homes of these people, uh, giving, giving them, oh Lord, a fulfillment of their needs. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, bless all these people now. Amen.